Thank you for listening to Namat's Movie Reviews Podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. I've been looking for a new apartment. Where? space to be creative. I've always had an interest in collecting sound. Do you mind if I interview you for my podcast? Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 443. Out now in theatres across the US is Poser, a psychological drama set in the underground music scene of Columbia, Ohio, where mousy podcaster Lennon, played by Sylvie Mix, befriends local musician Bobby Kitten from the band Damn the Witch Siren, while attempting to make her own mark as a musician through very dubious means an incredibly engrossing movie that delves into themes of identity, artistry, and obsession. Poser is one of my favourite films of the year so far, and I'm very glad to talk to one of the film stars in Bobby Kitten. Bobby, thank you so very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, of course. So it's really interesting just bringing back about how you became involved in the movie. So um, the films, the filmmakers of Poser, Ori Sergev and Noah Dixon, they met you on a music video prior to working with you on this movie, and they kind of you left a lasting impression on them, let's just say that, to the point where when they were putting this movie together, they thought, hey, maybe get in touch with Bobby or write, write a character about Bobby. Is that pretty much how it worked? And is that how they, they approached you in regards to the character? Was it always meant to be someone that was almost kind of like a fictionalised version of yourself? Um, and if that was the case, what was your, re- your reaction to an offer like that? 
Yeah. So I guess that is how it happened. You know, I didn't know that they were following our band so closely uh, when they asked me originally to act in another band's music video. Um, but th that's how they knew of me. They'd already been following our band. And so it was just kind of a natural progression. I loved working with them. I just think they're also super talented, like the best, the best film that's coming out of Columbus. And I was, when I learned of them, I was honestly surprised that they were in Columbus because there's not a lot of film happening in Columbus, especially something that is so pro and has mm. so much thought and depth to it um, and creativity. So yeah, uh, when they pitched this idea, we were about to leave on a West Coast tour and I wasn't sure how serious they were because I've met a lot of artists who wanted co to collaborate and, you know, doing a movie centered around our band is a huge idea. So I just was like, okay, yeah, right. You know, but I'm like, okay, well, we get back from tour in like a month if you want to hit us up then. Um, and Noah hadn't even written the script yet. So when we got back, they had a whole script written and they actually asked us to, if we wanted to have a different band name and have different names like characters, and we could be totally different characters. But then there was a lot of questions about the intellectual property that was being borrowed. Like, mm -hmm. use a lot of the artwork. And that was a big thing too, is that they wanted to recreate some of the artwork that we did, but maybe do something different. And right. I couldn't really think of anything that was more iconic than like things that we had already done and all of our real songs. And it just kind of, we were writing a lot of songs about imposter syndrome and like, I come alive in the dark is kind of just about hipster culture. And uh, it, so it felt very prescient to just play ourselves and to, to, embody ourselves in this film I was very nervous about it of course because you don't want you don't know how someone else is going to portray you or tell your story but they did a fabulous job and of course there are extensions of myself like I always <laughs> disclaimer I always tell people that I love fish <laughs> I'm very much an animal lover all animals um and there are moments there where I'm a little icy and, and cooler to like Lennon and I honestly, in real life, I feel very endeared to people like Lennon. So I don't, I don't know. I think that I'm a lot more accepting than how my character is portrayed in the film. But otherwise, it is pretty on the nose. They even took some of our music videos and they uh, put that in the film. So it was very cool. It was very cool to see it on the big screen. So creative identity is a real big part of the film. And yourself and Z-Wolf and, and Damned the Witch Siren, you guys are very hands-on with your music. You produce your, your music, you write your music, you direct your own videos. So you have your own identity as such in regards to the music and how you want to represent it into, to the public. So when you have different filmmakers come to you and they say, you know, and you go through kind of like the to and fro of what we can do and what we can't do, um, is it kind of difficult to kind of hand that stuff over to another to another kind of outside force? Do you really need to, is there a certain trust issues you have to go through first to make sure that you can trust someone with your baby essentially and make sure that it's represented accurately on screen? That's a great question. And nobody has actually really asked me this yet. And yes, it was a huge, huge thing for me. I felt like I was a pain in the ass probably because <laughs> I was constantly just like, you know, over their shoulder, just like asking questions. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, they let us do a lot of improv dialogue too. So I got to like write a lot of my own lines, which helped me to feel a little bit more like I'm telling my story. Yeah. Um, and, but it was all very nerve wracking the whole time. There was a scene where they wanted me to write a journal entry say, and it wasn't written in my words. And I was like, I'm, I'm not going to do that, you know, cause that doesn't deeply reflect who I am as a writer. I, <laughs> I think I'm a better writer than that. No, because it was like, it didn't sound like something I would say. So yes, I was deeply protective of everything that they tried to come across with our names attached. So it's very important. It was so hard because yeah, doing all of our own map, like mixing, mastering, producing, and like we do our own live shows yeah. and our lights, you know, you just all said that, but even just doing our music videos, like we are there for the editing process. Mm -hmm. So it took with COVID, it took an extra year of editing and I was just a total mess about it. <laughs> it was hard, but I'm trying to learn, have trust issues with uh, more collaborations because yeah, because you can make beautiful art that way. Right. Speaking of collaborations, So throughout the film, the character of um, Lennon played by Sylvan Mix, she's starts off kind of like, as a, as a podcaster, she's interviewing everyone in the scene in Colombia. Is it true that in like behind the scenes is a way to kind of break the ice between, you know, Sylvie and the artists, including yourself, that she actually did kind of like these 45 minutes and one hour interviews with all of you to kind of like just get to to know you all and kind of get into the, the mindset of being kind of like an interview on her part? Yeah. Are you asking in real life? Was it in real life, yes. Yeah. yeah, totally. Because Sylvie and I didn't really know each other uh, very well at like we only knew of each other before we did this movie um and we actually didn't do a full po podcast interview for the movie that they filmed like kind of but it wasn't as a audition with like a podcast interview and I think that really helped us kind of cement the chemistry that we ended up building and um I think that helped her I don't think she's super into the local music scene. I feel like she hadn't met or seen a lot of the bands that were in the film. So yeah, I think that was a way for her to get her feet wet and just kind of like dive into the scene in real life. And it just kind of, so maybe that's why there's something really organic being captured there because it is, it's very organic. And we're all just, it was all our first movie too. Everyone, even crew involved. Mm. And so I think we were just all very excited about it and uh, just having that energy and making those connections in real life on camera. Yeah. So I think just the excitement of everyone's first time doing this movie and having the whole scene, well, not the whole scene, but a lot of the scene involved and, and then capturing and meeting each other and capturing that organic first time, you know, real life, interviews that were happening it, it served as a very authentic um you know authentic palette i guess you should say it's a better word but for what the movie captured hmm. that's all the matt's movie reviews podcast is brought to you by 80s tees 80s tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies tv shows cartoons video games comic books and musicians Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. 
founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by TeePublic. TeePublic is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, TeePublic is sure to have something you love. When it comes to the scene in Columbus itself, it's referred to in the, in the movie as Old North. Um, and I, like I myself, of course, I'm here from Sydney, Australia, so I don't really know the, the terms of the stuff, but Old North is, Old North is how it's referred to in, in, the, in the movie. Um, when it comes to capturing what the Columbus, Ohio underground in the independent scene is, how um, satisfied are you? How satisfied do you think the other musicians are in how the filmmakers really captured that in poser? Because I can imagine that, you know, maybe there could be different interpretations a filmmaker might have on an artistic scene anywhere. Um, but it feels to me that just watching it and that it comes across as very kind of authentic in that way. And again, it comes back to making sure that the um, the identity of the people and the artists are represented in a very unique way. And I think it is in this movie. Yeah, totally. Um, well, first of all, I think that they chose a lot of great artists that are staples in the scene or doing something different. So that helped. Uh, you know, the scene uh, talks about how diverse it is, but there's not a lot of, actually a lot of light on a lot of those artists, in my opinion. And I feel like Luce did a great job of putting light on a lot of the artists, especially hip hop artists that are in the film, like Joy H and Devin Summers. Um, and just like Hakeem is an artist, too, like a visual artist in Columbus. And uh, he's in there. Um, there's, you know, beautiful black artists and uh, there's a lot of women featured, which is amazing because I feel like Columbus doesn't do as far as like journalism goes. I feel like they don't cover women enough. Well. And, it's, and they it's a very indie indie rock boy town kind of scene mm -hmm. so i feel like they did a great job of picking these other artists that really represent the diversity in columbus as far as the scene goes i have to admit that the i think that the <laughs> their movie makes it seem a lot cooler <laughs> i always think it's funny when i get on letterbox reviews and see columbus artists and they're like this isn't my scene i'm like mm -hmm. no it looks a lot cooler be be fucking grateful <laughs> But it, it does, like, obviously, it turned it into a cinematic um, show. Like, it's just visually stunning, too. Um, but there's no industry here, you know? And so there are a lot of artists. I feel like there's not a lot of place to go with art, but the art is thriving, and it's sad that there's no industry. So I don't know, maybe this movie will do something for it. Maybe it'll get it out there and maybe more people will be interested in the art scene because there are, there's so much talent and there's so much unique individuality being uh, created 
around here. So I think yeah. it's a really important kind of almost like a, a, a linchpin to for people to really kind of delve into the artists in the film because I know for for a fact that after I watched the film, I was actually writing notes of all the different artists in the movie, and after watching it. I was actually looking up YouTube videos. I was listening, listening to different songs and such. And I think that's a really cool thing, um, including like yeah. what, you, what you guys are doing with, um, with your band. I mean, you know, damn the witch siren. You know, um, I'll, I'll be admit to say that prior to watching Poser, I did not know of, but afterwards, it's been something I've been listening to quite a bit, and and I really appreciate yeah. that. And I think that's a really cool thing. And and while you know, I'm sure some people in the in the community might not find the authenticity to be. To, to be um, accurate the fact that there is a representation of the bands on there and of Columbia, you know, Old North um, to not only a national but now an international audience as well. That can only be a good thing, I think. Yeah, very cool. Thank you for saying that. I totally agree. And we feel very honored too because we've always felt like the black sheep in Columbus because we're making electro pop and that's very rare. And electronic is just rare in Columbus in general. So we felt very honored that they chose us as their centerpiece. Um, it's pretty cool. I wanted your opinion on the character of Lennon because I'm kind of choked to and throwing in regards to who she is in regards to, do you find Lennon to be a sad person or a bad person? Which one do you think, or does one kind of like meld into the other? I think more sad because her transition doesn't come full circle for me. Hmm. In the end of the movie, she, I don't see where she, she's like, she's, I don't see where her podcast has had any more listeners or viewers. It's like she dyed her hair and now she's stealing people's, lyrics and songs and she's getting away with it but she isn't getting recognition for it is she i don't really feel that acknowledgement i feel like she's someone who will constantly alienate herself because she's not being true to herself and you, you can't you know i know bowie said genius steals but i still think that he had every intention of like making it into something that he completely owned and lennon never really gets there so yeah, I, I pity her more than I hate her. That's a that's a very good way to look at it. I think that's kind of like the way I'm looking at it as well in regards to her character, because it seems to me there's definitely kind of like an issue in regards to her trying to find her own place in the world and the only place any way that she feels she can do it is stepping in the shoes of other people. And I think that's a really kind of interesting way to look at things. I don't want to last question I want to ask for you, Bobby. You're terrific in the movie, and I'm really curious, acting in the future. Is that something that you want to delve into more, to kind of look into, you know, uh, other characters, um, other movies? Is that something that will be on the plates or is Dan the Witch Siren such a big uh, kind of like part of your life that maybe perhaps not be any kind of chance to delve into that avenue? Uh, very good question. Well, I actually, I've been performing my whole life and I feel like acting has always been, uh, you know, I just have too many things I want to do. But I did acting in, uh, I did theater in college. Mm -hmm. I did dance growing up and I did plays when I was growing up too. I did dance for like 13 years. And so just performing in general has been uh, just a huge release and just feels like what I should be doing. And so when, when we got this movie pitched to us, Z and I had always said, and we still want to make like a rock opera. Right. <laughs> That's been a goal, but we were like, we should totally hijack this movie and make it our Prince's Purple Rain but with Zan the Wish Siren. <laughs> so we were so pumped to be in a movie because it's something I've always wanted to do. 
But actually, uh, two days after it, it aired at Tribeca, I got a manager from Three Arts Entertainment. And uh, one of the selling lines for working with her, she's like, I work with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. And those are two of my biggest heroes. Mm. And I started auditioning last summer. And the fifth audition I got was for a Tina Fey movie. Okay. And I was just fucking blown away that I was getting to even audition. But I was like, I have to get this role. And I actually got cast in a John Slattery film starring Tina Fey. And we shot that in October in Albuquerque last year. So it's called Maggie Morse and it's starring John Hamm as well. And Nick Muhammad. I have some scenes with John Hamm and Nick Muhammad and Christopher Denham. And so that's my second movie. I'm officially in SAG now. (laughs) And I've been auditioning all year. I got to audition for the Madonna biopic, which was also just like huge she's my idol awesome like (laughs) i was like crying all week yeah i've just been working on that waiting to book my third role and i feel very busy because we're about to put out an album but i feel kind of torn because it's a lot of dedication to each art music and and acting so we'll see what happens i have no idea i'm just kind of going with it and uh seeing what comes next into my life so for everyone out there listening poser out now across theaters in the u.s i really recommend people check out this film it's really it's it's quite something i found myself kind of enchanted by watching it It it's kind of like you wrote terrific the filmmakers terrific the soundtrack as well and of course the performances and bobby you're a big part of that as well and i also ask people to check out damnthewitchsiren.com um, it's the official website for Dan the Witch Siren. Um, there you can find out that the band's discography. You can check out some digital tracks and other things as well. Um, yeah, like I said, I've, I've become a big fan now after watching those, and I really do uh, recommend people check out your website and your music as well. Um, and Bobby, I can't wait to see what 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 happens with you and your, with your acting career. Um, best of luck with all your auditions coming up, and I look forward to seeing you in that John Slattery movie that comes out later, uh, perhaps this year, maybe perhaps next year, who knows? But um, yeah, I, I look forward to it, and I thank you so very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful.